Hello, friends. This is Michael from Anakin Media, and I'm here in the courtroom of County Judge Wade McKinney. Sorry. Uh, sometimes the pre-podcast prep <laughs> is more fun than the podcast yes, it itself. Is. Yes, it is. Um, but we have a lot to get to, folks. It is uh, Wednesday morning, December 16th. We're just nine days away from Christmas. I know you're getting excited for that with uh, some little kids yes. in your house now. Right, exactly. And I really appreciate the cookies, the official Hannigan Media yes, cookie. the official uh, the Hannigan Media shoe. red tennis shoe cookie made by my friends at Treehouse Cupcakes. Ah. So that's not just a cookie. That's a Treehouse it's Cupcakes a treehouse cookie. Oh, good deal. Oh, uh, so those guys, they, they, they take care of things. All right. So I want to get off on the most important thing this week. The <laughs> most important thing, apparently you're now a TV star. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, yes, we have uh, North, the Northeast Health District um, has uh, inquired and gotten all of the county judges within their area, their um, observation area, to do public service announcements for on KLTV in Tyler on Channel 7. And we all agreed to it, and each one of us has done a 30-second spot. Um, one, to, to thank the public for all they have done to face the challenges of COVID-19 and to also encourage everyone to continue to follow the protocols as we move forward with now the news of the vaccine. Pretty much what we've continued to talk about um, for the last couple of weeks is that, you know, everyone has done, um, has handled the challenges and We've got to continue with the pro the protocols uh, until we get into the final stages of the vaccine deployments. All right, so we're going to talk COVID-19 a little later in the podcast, but we wanted to get that out right on top. I want to thank you for uh, still being part of the podcast. I know <laughs> it's hard to keep them on the farm when they've seen the big city. Um, oh, no, I'm a farm boy. <laughs> now, that you've, now that you've had a chance to be under the big lights of TV. We don't get to have the same conversations that you and I do. So Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. TV is where it's at. So if you happen to see, uh, if you're watching uh, KLTV and you happen to see uh, someone you think is the county judge for Henderson County, you may be correct. And I'm so. trying not to scowl. They told me I have an angry look on my face angry, all the time. An angry look. Yes. So. Uh, well, anybody who wants to sit up there and try to take care of four other commissioners that have an angry look, too. <laughs> no, they have to take care of me. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. Anyway, we, we, digress. digress. we digress. We digress. I do want to talk about one thing that you yes. guys were doing um, this week and you guys have been working on, and that's residential development. Yes. Um, you know, this is something that we've talked about. And I wanted to bring this up because you've been involved in this for a number of years. I know I wrote, I, it had to be 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 2008, 2008. So we're talking yep. 12 years, 12 ago. years ago, 12 years ago, there was a big issue with, um, a, a small development out on 31 going towards mm -hmm. Malakoff in the Crescent Heights area that had some real problems with sewage. Um, and I wrote a long story, big series of stories about that. And the county um, was actually looking at putting in its very first subdivision ordinance at that time, correct? Right. Yes, that is correct. And I know you were big putting that together. 
But there have been new changes again, and the county is trying to respond to some of the new things that have happened. Could you tell us what's really prompting this push? Well, as everyone knows, though, that watches TV, Texas, the the environment in Texas is drawing in um, new residents, businesses talking about moving here. You know, you've heard about the Elon Musk and even some of the financial giants out of New York talking about relocating either to Texas or Florida. And plus, if you speak with any of our local realtors, they'll say that this past year has been one of the best ever as far as um, land transactions. Individuals are moving here and not only here, but all over the state. And what we are looking at is being sure that our rules and regulations are in place and able to handle this type of influx. Uh, You mentioned uh, back in 2008 was the rewrite from our original set of regulations that were really put together in the 70s. So we put we rewrote those in 08. We updated them in 18, but with this new changing environment that we've got coming that we need to relook at that as well for the new types of developments, looking at the regulatory as as we talked about with the on-site sewage facility permitting that's done in conjunction with um, TCEQ and meeting all their regulations along with you know, runoffs, floodplain, everything. And it's the now is the time for us to to really take a hard look at this to be able to adjust our posture and stance and how we develop because we want to develop in a way that is long lasting and sustainable. So the other thing and and yeah, um Obviously, we want to make sure, because that was one of the problems back in 2008, mm-hmm. is back the rules that had been in place or everybody was working by, you know, they they were long out of date yes. and, and did not take into account new techniques, new mm-hmm. knowledge, whatever. One of the new things I know that's making a kind of a big push, which is really funny to use the word big for it, Hmm. is small housing. That's right. You know, tiny homes uh, is more than just a television show. You know, we even have manufacturer here in the county, but it is a different type of development. And it's a type of development that requires uh, specific uh, guidelines to go by because like I said that it's about sustainable development and at this point in time it's relatively new in the state of Texas the the regulatory laws are as normal when you have a wave of innovation follows in behind so we're hoping that the legislature will give some tools available to it but so that we can meet those things of sustainability life safety you know where you don't create these pockets that could be like a, an old term from that same period in the early 2000s was colonials. If you'll remember right, there was developments that were um, along the um, Mexican border, the Texas-Mexico border, that were referred to as colonials because they were sim- very similar, just brought in one after the other and one after the other, and they really didn't have the infrastructure available to support them. And it's that avenue that we're trying to look at so that you have a sustainable growth and do not get those colonial types developments and as technology advances it always puts a stress on on current rules yes because the new technology isn't taken into account with the rules 
and I know that especially with like these tiny houses, because of their footprint, because of the square footage, it's actually there's been questions about mm -hmm. well, if I'm in this type of a building, right. do I have to follow these regulations? These regulations, yes, were written for houses, right? But under the regulation, a house is defined as something bigger than what this tiny house is, and you, now we've got confusion. Right, and with the mobility that is available in those in those situations, you can have where there's not a <clears throat> transaction as far as purchasing a property. It's more of a rental space. Right, and that even makes that, it that more difficult. It even more now. Okay, so and if I do that, like okay, so now what kind of sewage system do i exactly. have to have can i you know and that depends on where you are and of course in the county and that right. was the problem back in 2008 in 2008 right. someone had put together a mobile home park with multiple mm -hmm. single wide trailers in it and then dug a pretty normal <laughs> right had it running on a very undersized system yeah a very a very undersized cesspool system for a mobile home park right which was then running off into the neighbor's exactly yard um and so we really want to avoid those kinds of things um the other thing is i know it becomes difficult or it was back in 2008 is it's an awful lot of work for the people whose job it is to keep tabs on these things for yes, the county. It is. And we are still, um, it's hard to believe that our size puts us in the range of 50th largest county. Out of 254 counties, would you believe that we're close to right at 50th Now, are size? you talking about... Are you talking about geography or I'm, people? I'm talking about people. People, really? People, as far as our wow, population. Wow, I would not have said that. You know, and individuals, it, we think of ourselves as a rural county. Sure. I think of us as I a do. rural county. And therefore, the requirements or the needs are somewhat less intense when you have a smaller population. But we have come to a point as that population grows Having the capacity to ensure we have proper development, which means enforcement side, you know, how much can you invest in that area for that? And, of course, the way that it's hoped that it works, which you know how that goes, we hope we plan for the worst and hope for the best, is that with a clear set of guidelines and regulations, uh, understanding on the front end when they are developed so that it moves flows very smoothly through but you know you're going to have those that are going to cause an issue just because you have to have one or two no matter what you do and we need these mechanisms in place and one of the best ways i can i can use to describe how some of the problems that occur are uh, one of the things I think about are with roads. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have dealt with um, some issues where, for instance, there be a family and they have a piece of property. And so they go ahead and they have three houses on the property and mm -hmm. they'll put a little dirt road down that property. And then the property will sell and maybe it'll sell again. And now you have three different families living in the three houses right. along a dirt road that's falling apart. And the school then says, I'm not sending the bus right. down that road to get your kids. And those people then call the county and say, well, come fix our road. Right. And the county, as far as I understand, the county's answer is, uh, no, right. 
Right. You know, and this goes back to, you know, our const- our state constitution. We are a property rights state, which much deference is giving to property rights. And that's a good thing. Now, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else for that. And so, therefore, when you have property rights being reserved for the landowners, it makes it more difficult to handle these types of situations. And that's why you have to be very precise and uh, follow a particular set of rules so that public funds are expended for public purposes. And as we spoke about back in 08, um, when you have that development, we did. We had, much of our area was developed as private subdivisions, and there was little regulations on them, and that's why uh, we might, we've we had a joke for years. The last lot to sell in a subdivision is the drainage lot, and someone has bought it because it's a good deal, but it's a drainage lot. And these type of regulations being in place help prevent that from happening because somebody will buy that lot, being a good deal, build a house right in the middle of it, and then complain because water's coming in their front door. So that's why these things are so important. All right. And so the county is now going through a process of looking at this with these residential development uh, rules for the county. Uh, Again, let's make sure we... uh, specify we're talking about the county right out in the unincorporated Unincorporated. areas we're not talking about in the cities cities have their own rules they do this is unincorporated territories all right hey so do you think that was one of those dbi things (laughs) yes dbi dull but important yes important (laughs) uh yeah we have those okay so another uh one of those dbi things uh just because you were talking about it with the size of our um the size of our county uh is it's almost time to start thinking about you know looking at how we divvy up the county redistricting it's yes, time for redistricting. yes our once a decade procedure yes uh, that is coming up and is scheduled to start i believe the census data is due in march of 2021 and once that data is released uh, henderson county has already engaged with uh, a law firm to assist us in our um, every decade process that ensures that our constitutional offices, which are the commissioner's precincts, are as close to balanced as we possibly can. There's actually a 10% variance. So you get the average population, or you get the population divided by four, there's your mean. You can only be, the four precincts can only be 5% either side of whatever that mean is. And it ensures balanced representation so that uh, we don't have a location that has, and I'll make this simple, there's 500 that live in this area, 100 that lives in the other. It is arguable that those 100 individuals single vote has more weight than the individuals living in the 500 populated area. And it's because of that we have to redistrict to keep them as even as possible and to get balanced representation. Okay. Dull, but interesting. No, <laughs> no. Totally important, but this is yes. this is the thing. I mean, I don't know. You know, we, we talked um, a lot in the past year about the importance mm-hmm. of the, the, the count. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the census count. 
And now we're going to continue to talk about the importance of redistricting now that the count is done. Right. And I just hope people pay attention because it's really important. Well, remember, go back 10 years ago. Does anyone remember exactly the largest issue that came out of our redistricting? Well, I know the one that got me upset and crazy and that had nothing to do with just the county it was on a state level so i'm assuming you mean county level on county level yes yes so no i i don't remember it's when the county eliminated jp6 JP, yeah no the justice of the peace we the talked justice about that last peace. time yeah right you know that is a part of this process right. right now and um it was a difficult process we um prior to 2010 we had six justice courts and we reduced down to five right i mean this is a part of that whole process and methodology of Doing the the puts and the takes to see where we're going, you know, and we're on a small scale, you know, in the state of Texas with 150 members in the House and all that, they've got to go through redistricting as well. Yeah, that was the part that I remember. The part that I remember when was they split the county. When the county um, got split into two. Mm-hmm. Well, split is bad because they just took a little sliver of the uh, west side of right. Cedar Creek Lake and added it yeah. in Trinidad in that area and, and put it in that direction, while the rest of Henderson County stayed with Kaufman County right. the way it had been. Um, and that was not good. No. Um, when you when you decrease the size of um, your voting populace, you know, it's it's a democracy. Whoever has the most votes wins, right? Yes. So um, whenever your representative size is decreased, you tend to lose influence. Um, of course, there are many representatives that we, we've had that would say, oh, no, 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 that's not, that's not true. But in reality, when it gets to the numbers of it, it, it becomes a fact. And we know facts are sometimes difficult. When the person now, I I, I want to say uh, that Keith Bell mm-hmm. I think has done a great job. Oh, I do too. In in being responsive to Henderson County, I do too. I, I so, believe that he is. There's no difference between Henderson and Kaufman County to, to him. him. Right, I, and I right. and I will. I want to give credit. You bet. To State Representative Keith Bell. Before I say this next thing, because <laughs> Keith Bell has been very responsive. Whether you agree right with his particular positions on a particular issue is beyond, beside the point that he has been responsive to Henderson County yes. and been in Henderson County see and him. been here and right. done it. Okay, right. So I'm going to say that, Representative Bell, we appreciate that. Yes. However, it is fact, you go back to just a number count, it is just factual that Kaufman County, mm-hmm. with more people right. and more votes, is more important right. than Henderson County because if the the representative responds to Kaufman County, then he's more likely or she is more likely to get reelected. Right. Same thing, the sliver of Cedar Creek Lake on the west side from seven points down through Tool and into Trinidad exactly. has been basically rendered useless 
Right, and they have a very small voice in that district. And, they have and, and a I, minuscule voice right. in that district. But, you know, and it goes back. We can take this argument way, you know, we can take it into the the rural-urban divide, you know. Oh, yeah, well. More attention. More, <laughs> right, sure, sure, we can, we can go a long way. I'm just going to go back to 10 years ago, they split Henderson yes, County. Yes, I screamed my bloody head off at, the, yes, at that time. you and me both. I, I, was, I was really, really unhappy at that time. Right. I let the powers that be know that I was unhappy at that time. Uh, and 10 years later... It, it's still an issue for me. You know, with as we said, with the influx of new residents coming to Texas, there is going to be um, quite a bit of redistricting that goes on at all levels. Uh, when you we we've said before, what was it before the election? I had um, read that twenty nine counties normally control about 67% of the votes. Well, that's the golden triangle. Sure. Dallas, Houston, over to San Antonio and back up. That's where the bulk of the population lives and are continuing to grow. And so you have to draw lines that incorporate that population. So I look for a, a big shakeup when it comes at the state level of the redrawing of those lines. Yeah, then you go back to that goes back to even the presidential map. When you exactly. look at the map and you see this and you see this thing that just is almost entirely red and you say, well, look, mm-hmm. no. Right. Because the areas that you have a solid red have very few people in them. That's right. Um, and there's, you know, I saw a map that did it by population, a heat map that showed it much better. And the middle of the country was like light pink. Mm-hmm. Not because there's a lot of Democrats there, but because there's not that many, many people. people there. Right. And so it... it gives a much better idea of what's going on it's like you said and that's and that's what this is all going to be about from redistricting going from the county to the state to the federal level it's going to be vitally 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 important it is um and we're gonna like bore people to death (laughs) because apparently that's what we do all right let's move on let's finish this up with covid we're gonna finish this up with covid19 um because uh yesterday uh, we're doing. We're recording this on Wednesday. Yesterday, I put out a post that said that we were down. Uh, so that would be Monday's stats. Monday's stats showed us at 440 people in mm-hmm. the hospitalized in our trauma service area, um, which was the lowest number mm-hmm. since uh, the end of November. Right. Very, very pleased with that. So I put that out, reported that, and of course, the very next day. Uh, we had a bump of 34, which is the um, highest, uh, tied for the highest increase in a single day. Right. Um, so there you go. Yeah, you know, every time that uh, we get, you know, a sliver of good news, of course, we mention it, and then it's like we jinx it. But uh, at least we have not set a new all-time high as far as total hospitalizations. We still got five to go. We still have five to go. We got got, and, and we seem to be hung in that range where we're just kind of it's I don't want to call it plateauing because we really don't know. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable enough to say plateauing, but we keep bumping along with this thirty point swing mm. of individuals in the um actually in which, the hospitals. Which look although the numbers are higher now, the the trend itself looks very familiar 
to after the 4th of July. It does. It does look familiar to it. Uh, the only difference is that this this bumping along is few more days than what we saw yeah, it's in July. Been longer. And, and the circumstances are different. Sure. As we said, you know, we're, we are, it's in the winter. We're all inside. We are doing closer, more um, in close contact activities. So they won't track exactly the same, but at least we're staying along that line where we're not continuing just to spike up. Because again, back in November, our rate of incline in hospitalizations was higher in November than it was in July. So um, all in all, you know, we keep we keep our fingers crossed. We we hope for the best with the with the vaccines rolling out. But when it comes down to it, we still have to rely on those three things, the big three that we go to. Don't say the word. I'm not going to say the word. Don't say the word. I won't say. I won't say. We're going to say. We're going to say. Make sure to social distance. We're yes. going to say. Make sure to wash your hands. Yes. And do that other thing. Yes. Do the other thing. Because I'm not going to say the word. No, it's a four letter word. I, every time I say that word. <laughs> <laughs> the comments start. Exactly. Exactly. All right. The other part about the uh, bumping up to 474 is that yesterday, uh, Tuesday, we went over the 15% mark. We did. Uh, that was designated by the, the governor again. That was the first time in six or seven days right. that we had hit that. Um, and I think this is interesting and this is important. We'll, we'll point this out. So what we're talking about with this 15% number and, the, and by the way, folks, remember, the 15% is important because that's the number that the governor has set as the sort of uh, canary in the, in the, in the mine Coleman. shaft. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the number that will tell us when we have to uh, drop back with the economy. Um, and it is based on the number of patients— and the number of staffed beds that are uh, that are in the in the region. That's right. The staffed beds, now not the, the total number in the hospital. The but word it's staffed, staffed is really important because if you bring in more nurses, you have That's more right. staffed beds available. So that number fluctuates as well. You know, we had some communications about that. Is that that is when you look at what is it's not having the number of beds. It's with how this is drug on is having enough individuals to sustain a high number of beds to prevent the 15% mark being eclipsed. I'm going to say that we understood this from the very beginning. However, it appears that there are many people for some reason are having trouble understanding this concept. Yes, and it's not just ourselves. Um, we've, we got communication that this is pretty much widespread, that individuals are not understanding right. that when we talk about the 15%, we are speaking about the TSAs in right. that. Folks, we've been through this so many times. We're in TSAG. Uh, which I, is have, <laughs> I have gotten to the point now where when I post anything about COVID, Right. Um, I add a little note at the bottom that says, notes to know, TSAG, the trauma service area. There's 22 of them across the state. Ours has 19 counties in it and about 960,000 people in it. Exactly. You know, and it... 
it can get confusing. We spend quite a bit of our time continually going through the data, you yep. know, reading all the stuff that sure. we can on it so that we can get the information out and can understand it can be overwhelming. But the interest, the thing that when you look at the TSAs, we know Dallas-Fort Worth region, which is TSAE, has been running now over 15% for 12 days or so. But also um, TSA H, which is the Nacogdoches area down through there, they also have been running over the 15%. So um, you have a TSA that has uh, 8 million in it with the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and you have a TSA that has, I believe, 600, where's it at? We've got it here. Oh, no, 272,000. These are completely on the either end of the spectrum, but that 15% is that thing that crosses all metrics. Right. That's why we do it that way so that you can try and compare apples to apples. It's the same reason NetHealth gives us the rolling, the seven-day rolling average uh, per 100,000 because that way we can figure out the average and we can compare Henderson County and Smith County. And even though there's a size difference, you can see the difference. Um, and that will come out again today. That one is from the 2nd to the 8th. Henderson right. County was with 51.28 cases per day per 100,000 population. Right. And it's to gain that comparability. So that you can compare <laughs> exactly. apples to apples. We have 87,000. Smith sure. County's up 200,000, something yeah. like that. So, so how do you compare? That's right. This is how we do that. All right. All right. So let's finish off with this part, though. Okay. Today or tonight, this week. Uh, the um, wow! <laughs> <laughs> I have to break eye contact with him because I start <laughs> laughing. <laughs> um, the um, um, vaccines are supposed mm-hmm. to roll out into Texas this week, right? And the uh, vaccines are supposed to come to our area. Now, the way it was set up. There was no place that said Henderson County. That's right. But because it was going out to the medical units, the medical, um, the hospital. Right. That's how it was going out. So it was UT going to those. was getting Our it. first responder, sure. um, our so medical it, community, and, and our medical what, community. Do we know that that's happening? Yes. Yes, we do know that that is happening. Um, the vaccines began arriving the um, just as soon as the uh, agreement was given or the go-ahead was given. And that process has already begun with the um, inoculation of our medical community. Um, given that our um, medical system is stationed or based in Smith County, it begins there, and the rest is coming out. Right. Um, well, we said that the state is saying we're delivering right. them to Smith County. Right. But they're going to UT Health, and UT Health will make sure that our first responders here at the hospitals in right. Athens and Gun Barrel or whatever, right. they're going to get those vaccines. That's right. There were 3,900 allocated, 3,900 doses allocated for UT Health. And with their system, Jacksonville, Athens, as we said, well, they have several facilities. They will be dispersed out so that we can ensure so that our health care providers um, can have some type of um, resistance, um, defense against the virus. All right. So that's where we are with that. We'll be continuing to watch um, the, uh, the 15 percent. This is day one now. The count restarts. 
um, we had gotten to, I think, day five last time before it broke and hit 14. Um, yes. But but this just starts at one. Now, remember, folks, this has to be seven days in a row. It does. Can't be seven days in 10. Has right. to be seven in seven. That's right. Uh, that's when that will happen. You know, and, and you and I can talk about this if you want. I I get why the governor is doing what he's doing. I get the, you have to put something in place. I understand all that. I, I, and I think I tend to be one of the people who say COVID is real. Yes. Be careful. Mm-hmm. Do the things. Wear the dang mask. Oh, you said it. I know. I tend to be <laughs> one of those people. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I do not know how shutting down the economy much more is going to actually be a help. I think that's just going to hurt. The problem is not that folks are not being careful when they're in public. The problem Mm -hmm. is people are not being careful at home. It is. In my opinion. You know, we spoke about this earlier um, when you were ringing the bell, how individuals coming in at Walmart here in Athens, you, you reported to me that there was a great deal wearing masks. Absolutely. Or, <clears throat> excuse me, face coverings. Um, there were You were seeing so many more people do that. They may not have been pleased, but they may suffer from that facial expression you and I do. But um, it, it, is, it is that um, even though they aren't pleased with it, they are doing this. But it's that when we get into situations where we're comfortable with other folks, I know you. I know you're taking care of yourself. Um, we let our, we tend to let our guard down, and it's something that we really didn't need to be mindful of. Yeah. As we run run through this, uh, we've got the holiday season coming up. You know, when you look at the challenges, and I'll go back to the PSA. When you look at the challenges that we have faced this year, brought on by COVID nineteen, and with the glimmer of hope that is coming, if we can just continue on for a little while longer, and protect our economy, as you say, um, because of the fifteen percent. But I look at it so so much as you know, community is an extension of family, and. Taking care of the community starts with taking care of your family. I mean, that's pretty much the American tradition. When you have close relationships that form on a small level and it steps up the line, and I know we live in a time today where everything is polarized and everything is, uh, I won't even say up to debate, it's I've got my opinion, you've got your opinion, and there's no meeting in the middle, but when it comes down to protecting your family, being careful with your close friends, with your neighbors, the ones that, as, as we spoke, you walk in their house and if you're wearing a mask, it's almost, it, it can be considered offensive. What, you don't trust me in my house? No, it's not about that. It's about ensuring that we get through this time until, one, we have enough vac- uh, vaccines available, which they said third quarter of 2021, or until we reach some type of mutation in the virus process to where the quote-unquote herd immunity takes place. But until then, people are going to be at risk, and we need to take it serious. We really do. I mean, I I know individuals who have passed from this, longtime friends. Um, It's easy to be skeptical 
Uh, it's not easy often to get out of your comfort zone and look through another set of eyes. And by incorporating that common courtesy, uh, common understanding, and in the time that we have interested in, a time of um, brotherhood, it's the season. Well, I don't know how I can uh, add anything to that, so I'm not even going to try. We're going to say uh, thank you for listening. Uh, yes. Judge, thank you for letting us in. One more time this year. One more time. We're going to be back next week. Yes. Uh, for the podcast. It'll be the last podcast of 2020. Yeah, Boy, yeah. <laughs> not I'm yet. just going to be so <laughs> sorry to see 2020 in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I didn't want that mistaken. It wasn't, yay, it's our last podcast. It was, yay, 2020 is over. All right. Well, we will see you next week. And, folks, thanks for listening. Thank you, Michael.